When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what up, Tom Heidelberg? Dude, I'm, I miss you, bro. I miss your smell. I, uh, me I, and I, you were sharing a moment <laughs> listening to Selena Gomez earlier, which felt it felt right. It just felt right, you know. You, you know, I needed to lose you to love me. It, it, uh, I, I heard. You know, I was on the Spotify like pop music mix, trying to you know <laughs> keep up with the kids, Tom Heidelberg. Yeah. And I was on the, I was on my stairmaster in my garage, and uh, I was listening to that song. And okay, I'm man enough to admit this. I just burst out into tears for no reason, like just pure, raw, weird emotion. I'm like, why am I crying over this stupid song? Had nothing to do with the content of the lyrics. Had nothing. It was just the something about the harmonic signature of how that song was constructed. I had such a similar experience when you sent me that song. And then I had to catch myself and be like, I'm about to cry over a song that's about Justin Bieber. And what? I just, Wait a minute. I what? I can't. Yeah, that's who she's singing about in the song. Oh my god, I'm gonna <laughs> die right now. <laughs> because he broke up. He broke up with her, and then he got married to Alec Baldwin's daughter. And uh, oh my god, that's what the song is about. Like, how dare you replace me? And you know, so yeah, we're two grown men who are listening to you know, ba- basically teenage drama, even though they're not well, teenagers. So, you know, I think it. <laughs> Shit, dude. Now I feel even more uh, humiliated and yet uh, vulnerable right now. I'm very vulnerable right now, Tom Heidelberg. So it's funny, yeah. So you had the same experience, which I was hoping you would have because I thought I was crazy. So I'm listening to it. I've never heard the song. And I'm like, wow, I'm having a real emotional hit from the, the... just the mix of the like lyrics, not the content of the lyrics. There's something about how she's doing. It's all auto-tuned and very poppy. And but uh, I was like, this is a thing. Like, there's something here. The producer really nailed something here. And I immediately wanted to use it uh, for a song about the first thing that popped in my head was it, it, it's like a young doctor kind of singing about how they really need to reconnect with the why of what they're doing and they've lost it. Like I need to get rid of this other stuff so I can find this purpose again. And uh, that was the first thing I thought of. Then I thought about things like addiction and other stuff like that. But in the end, it's just, it's an interesting, interesting human hack emotional algorithm that we both had that effect. Oh, I mean, this is why, this is why humans love, you know, the movies. This is why humans love art. This is why, We've always loved storytelling is because it just when you when you hear or see or experience a great work of art, it just hits the core of your being in this way that reverberates for a long time afterwards. And even still, I mean, those songs that you have that you just love, they're always a part of you. It's like it's made an indelible mark on you. Uh, so yeah. so interesting. I'm in love with that feel, that feeling. I search it out anywhere I can find it. So like, if, I, it's, if it's in a Selena Gomez song, I'm with. I'm okay with it. You know. The, you know, there's just so there's so much right and wrong with what you just said. So first of all, you started out by saying humans this, humans that, humans this, and I was like, okay, 
I'm a little concerned that Tom may be a robot overlord because he's referring to us in the third person. And then you said <laughs> we, and I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Number next, you you, you said Art, and then you said Selena Gomez, and that's disturbing. Uh, well, you know what's you know what's interesting. Me and you were talking about like having a, you know, having a conversation about sort of the nature of consciousness and everything. And uh, I've I've been reading this book Heaven and Hell by Emanuel Swedenborg. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. So he was like, you know, he was one of these old school um, theologists. I think he's originally Swedish. That name sounds Swedish to me anyway. And uh, this this book is the foundation of all modern Christianity, like that God is pure love. Um, right. Because, you know, this is a very, this is actually a very new idea. Uh, and he wrote, Swedenborg writes this book in like 1750 something, right? So like that's how old the idea, that's how new the idea is actually. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the old God from the Old Testament is like smiting people and casting people into hell. And uh, Swedenborg's conception of this whole thing is that, you know, um, love of oneself and love of, and desire and love of the earth or, you know, earthly experiences uh, leads one to hell. And that love of God, love of the all, love of the one uh, leads you to heaven. And that's basically the crux you find yourself at in life. And I think it's a very, it's it's an interesting jumping off point for sort of our conversation we we're going to have about consciousness and, you know, uh, the mind-body connection and all that. So this is interesting. So it actually gets to the heart of what non-dual practitioners, so the people who think that there's really only one thing, it's just you know, awareness, just uh, consciousness, just God, whatever you want to call it, right? So this idea that um, you, when you listen to New Age uh, dipshits talking about this stuff, they use this language, okay, God is love, God is peace, God is beauty, God is um, happiness. And the way, <laughs> the way that you can actually unpack that to understand it from an actual, um, you know, better way of cognizing that is that when you say God is peace, what you're saying is that awareness itself, in contrast to the separate self, this ego, this sort of creature that we take ourselves to be, which is really a bit of an illusion, is constantly turbulent. It's like a cloud that's full of storm and lightning and wind and all of that. But the sky that that is actually part of the cloud, it's actually woven into the cloud. The cloud is actually made out of sky. The sky itself, by contrast, is not changed by the cloud. It's absolutely peaceful. So by contrast, we use our limited mind uses the term peace to describe God, which is this all everything. If you look at <clears throat> love, God is love, what is love but connection, deep understanding and connection, right? Well, how can a separate egoic self that is this little cloud and storm feel connected to everything? Well, it has to understand that what it really is, is it is that, but it's also beyond that. It is this everything, this open, you know, connected awareness, so that love is really this connection that we are all the same thing. We're all a manifestation of the same thing. Well, that is the purest definition of love. We use the word love because we have no other, other language for that, right? God is happiness. Well, what is what is the opposite of happiness? Suffering. Suffering is when we identify ourselves with this egoic, striving, unhappy, you know, separate self apart from everything. Well, by contrast, you know, the the everything, consciousness, awareness, whatever you want to call it, God is peace and it it is truly happy because it's the absence of suffering it's truly you know unperturbable and content so i think that's where that language comes from you know it actually comes from a true experience of what reality is rather than all this new age mumbo jumbo bullshit 
Now, now let me ask you this question, like new age aside, uh, how do you feel about using the word God? I'm very uncomfortable with God just in that, in that, uh, I feel like it's so loaded with baggage. It's loaded with a lot of organized religious baggage. Now, I, I still think it's the right word because it, it, it has this deep, connected feeling. Like when you use the word consciousness or awareness, that just, it doesn't rise to the job of what you're trying to describe, which is an eternal, timeless, spaceless uh, a, a, a sense of being that pervades everything. It's like, you know, it's like Lucas is the force, right? It, it's, it's so beyond us, and yet it is us. So how do you describe that? That's now, God. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I'm I'm more in your line of thought, too, where, like, you know, I grew up Christian, a Catholic, and then I sort of jettisoned it all for atheism at some point. And then, I, and then it became agnosticism, and then it became spirituality, and now I don't know what the hell to classify myself as. But yeah, I, I, I used to look down on people who would take a literal interpretation of the Bible. And I, do, I still do think that literal readings of religious text are at writ large detrimental. Because if, if you're literally reading everything, well, then you're going to think you should cast stones at gay people and whatever else, whatever other crazy nonsense is in there. But right. it, it does provide a very con- religion and the Bible in particular does provide a very convenient scaffolding. Uh, and a very easily accessible scaffolding for people so that not everybody has to, you know, dive down to first principles and do the work on their own. Like, I, I don't know if you've seen any, like Kanye just released a gospel album and in the album he's talking about how, you know, he was saved and he, he's basically like diving back into the the teachings of his youth because his mother was a, a very religious and spiritual woman. And he's he's using that now as a scaffolding for for his children, and uh, you know it's all the all the classic spiritual stuff like the, I, it saved a wretch like me, and Jesus is King, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. How do you feel about people using? I don't know. Is religion something that humanity needs still, or do we need to jettison it in favor of a better system? Mm, it's so it's it's really such a hard question for me because I was kind of almost, you, 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 you know, humans go through these levels of development, right? So, I, you know, sure, I went through my magical thinking phase where really organized religion and the, this, the literal tales from things like the Bible or whatever Zoroastrian teachings my parents were foisting on me, they seemed like they made sense because magic was a real thing and the supernatural was a real thing. And uh, the, the patriarchal sort of uh, hierarchical mythic magic archetypes made sense to a child's mind. Why, so my struggle was, well, when then I got a little older and I started to discover different types of thinking, especially in adolescence, the scientific method, looking at rationalist thinking, and none of this made sense. Also, I didn't like authority. I, I couldn't imagine that a god would want to send me to hell just for questioning either his his existence or his teachings, like, oh, you should stone gay people. Well, I'm gonna question that. That seems wrong to me. Well, now you're gonna go to hell. Okay, well then, that's a God, A, I don't like, B, I don't believe in, because I can't imagine that that would be the case, because I'm a reasonably free thinker. So I think that the, the struggle with religion that I think a lot of people, especially millennials now, they you know they don't describe themselves as religious anymore. It's it, you know they all say I'm spiritual, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, I, I think the struggle is that it is a a kind of arrested development in thinking, and as a society, we we progress through these levels. I think we ought to be 
going to that next level, which is understanding this concept of God in a, in a more advanced way, in a less sort of mythic magic way. Now, again, people will come at me for that, but I don't care. That's what I think, and that, that's why I struggle with, with that sort of religious dogma. Anything that has dogma, I struggle with. Well, and you, you can understand where it came from, because, I mean, think, think about primitive people. You, need, you needed something. You needed fire and brimstone to keep men from raping. I mean, and and pillaging and in murdering, like I mean, males are terrible, and uh, during yeah. during peacetime they have nothing to do, and so they, you know, this is why we've had constant war throughout our the entirety of our species, and so uh, you can see where where all the doctrine came from, but I do think that we have evolved further, like we don't fight over such petty resources anymore, at least not on an individual to individual level. You know. Yeah, I I think that what you said about evolving further, I think that's really what it is. So here's the thing, like, okay, no, and, and this is why I think people hate atheists. They hate atheists. They're like one of the most hated groups in America. And I think part of the reason is that atheists deny even, the classic atheists deny even the existence of this uh, spiritual sort of substance, this connection that moves people who will wrap it in religion. So there is no denying that you can have ecstatic spiritual mystical experiences in the context of current religious beliefs. You can go to church, pray in a group, and have an ecstatic, transcendent spiritual experience that is mm -hmm. as real as anything you'll have in meditation and all of that. And, and so I think the, the classic atheists deny that. Uh, what I would like to encourage people to do, and this is how I like to see things, is no, those experiences are real, and they actually tap into something real, and we have to try to understand it in as rational a way as we can as human beings. And if it, ta if it takes you going to church to get that then I would encourage that. If it, but but if if you're going to take that same church doctrine and then go, you know, discriminating against gay people or you know, uh, whatever the dogma is that is from a time that no longer applies, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then you can go to hell. Like that's just dumb. Like it has no place in a modern society. So we have to be honest with ourselves that spirituality is a real thing. It's a part of a human experience. We have to try to understand the universe and the fundamental underpinnings of it. And that and the scientific method can be applied to that, but it does. it is limited if we stop at a reductionist model. We need to look at, is the even the paradigm wrong? But that, that, and I think that's why people like Sam Harris like to, like to bash religion, because they're like, it's holding us back from understanding that. I don't think so. I think we can in, in, transcend and include religion as something that we had to do to get to this point, but I, oh, I, I yeah. think at this point, yeah, yeah. There's so much there's so much deep metaphorical truth to be found within the Bible that jettisoning the entire thing would be jettisoning our our past and all the hard-earned knowledge that the humans before us put into that book. I mean, there's a lot of hard-won wisdom in the Bible. And so to jettison the entire or the Quran or whatever. Nah, the Quran's kind of a piece of shit. But uh <laughs> You know, it's funny, as I was listening, I'm like, man, you're pretty Bible, biblocentric. Well, of course, I mean, you were raised a Catholic, but, you yeah. know, whatever whatever religious teachings you're getting. Well, right? we we in America, I mean, are raised, uh, you know, on the fumes of uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic. Judeo-Christian, yeah, exactly. Uh, the West uh, in general, yeah. Of course. Well, let, let, so let me ask you. Okay, so, like, I hate atheists, too, uh, because I view them as as just as dogmatic as as full theist, uh, where it's and you're, like, and you're correct, yeah, right, right, right. It's like you you can't say that there is nothing. I mean, it's so reductionist to the point of being absurd. And this goes into the conversation we were having about you know 
conscious agent theory and you know how we may have the wrong fundamental building blocks of the entire universe and you know we may <laughs> that may be the problem that we're having in the sciences writ large because like we we can't you know sync up electromagnetism and gravity like there are a lot of things that are escaping us at the moment and it might be because we have the wrong foundational underpinnings great so this is a good transition into uh uh my experience from last week. So I went and saw Donald Hoffman, who I've had on the show. I saw him at this science and non-duality conference in San Jose, which, if I'm being entirely honest, part of the reason I moved back to the Bay is to explore these sort of nature of the universe issues more, because this is kind of the hotbed of, whether it's psychedelic research, whether it's spirituality, whether it's like new age mumbo jumbo, whatever you call it, people here who are very smart, who work in you know software engineering, who invented the graphical user interface for the Macintosh, they are all sort of on that path. Steve Jobs was one of those people. Right? He went to India and like, you know, studied with gurus and did shit. So the truth is this is a hotbed for that. And that I wanted to be a part of that. And I was not let down when I went to this conference and saw Donald and him, his talking about conscious agents. So <clears throat> here's the basic one-liner. Uh, we have hit an impasse in physics. We've hit an impasse in science in general in that we, our materialist worldview, which is that st matter exists as such, there you know the world is created of quarks and and gluons and and uh, actual matter, and from that emerges consciousness at some point. Uh, we don't know how, but we think it must. We, maybe we just don't understand it. You know, we never understood how cells work. Now we do. We don't understand consciousness. Maybe we're not capable of understanding it. Whatever it is, it emerges from matter, and that's our reductionist worldview. And in that worldview, we have quantum mechanics, which is one of the most successful theories of all time in predicting what actually happens in experiments. Like it's so successful. And yet when you look at what it's saying, <laughs> it, it, it's perplexing, it's counterintuitive, it makes no sense at all. But, no, but, but scientists blow that over and go, well, we don't care why it's true. It just is true, and so we can make predictions and we can make cool gizmos and iPhones and smart chips and all kinds of shit. But if you if you go, well, what's actually going on with quantum mechanics? And then you try to reconcile it with uh, relativity. So the small and the very large, they don't reconcile. The math doesn't work out, and you can't really unify it. And people like Penrose and others, these famous physicists, will say, well, it's because there's an effect of gravity, and maybe that explains our measurement problem in quantum mechanics. We could spin our wheels for hours talking about that. But the bottom line is nobody knows, and we've hit an impasse, and we can't explain the hard problem of consciousness, which is how do you get the taste of chocolate to emerge from a bunch of nervous tissue? And what Hoffman and others are now saying is, well, what we may have done is we've made a rookie mistake. We have at our disposal an interface through which we see the world, and we'll call it our species-specific interface. It's our graphical user desktop that allows us to see reality and make sense of it. And for years and decades, scientists have said that that interface is incomplete. It doesn't see all of reality, but it sees enough of reality to help us survive. In other words, it sees the truth, but only partially. What Hoffman is saying is, <clears throat> well, what if we have that wrong? What if we actually aren't seeing the truth at all? We're just seeing a dumbed down version of reality that has nothing to do with what's actually there, but it helps us to survive. And his studies actually show that this is the case. When you actually do evolutionary game theory and you run scenarios, what ends up happening is organisms that see actual reality in his models go extinct. And organisms that see reality in a dumbed down species-specific interface 
actually survive because they're tuned to reproduce and they ignore everything else. Well, let's say that's true and there's plenty of evidence that that's true and he goes through this in, in, in depth. So then what is reality if we're only seeing this sort of weird species-specific hack? And the answer is, well, let's go back to this hard problem of consciousness. We can't explain how consciousness arises. We can't reconcile quantum mechanics and relativity. There's a lot of mystery that's going on here. There's a way to explain it. What if instead of taking the miracle that matter is fundamental and consciousness emerges, what if you reverse that and go consciousness is fundamental, the, this awareness, and f give me that and I can show you equations and formulas that will substitute conscious agents for mesons, you know, uh, for, for uh, quarks and, and atoms and electrons, and you can emerge an entire universe. You can emerge the laws of quantum mechanics, you can emerge the laws of relativity, and you already get consciousness because it is already fundamental. You don't have to explain it through magic, through a genie coming out of a lamp. Well, that's, what, that's in, one of the things you yeah. said that, that first helped me understand this theory, as you said, Listen, like the reductionist worldview that we operate under now assumes that all the, the Big Bang happens and then a bunch of shit happens and then evolution happens and then somewhere weirdly in the middle for no reason, a miracle happens and consciousness is formed. And yep. uh, what this theory does is it puts the miracle right up front as the building block. Exactly. Which makes and more only, sense because consciousness is the weird thing. You know, it's not that weird that we have galaxies. It's not that weird that we have planets. You know, it's not that weird that we have gravity. It's pretty weird that we have consciousness. That's weird. You know what? You you kind of put you kind of put into words what is very ineffable, which is conscious the greatest miracle in the entire universe is sitting with you at all times, which is that you have any experience any subjective experience at all. Really, really drill down into that. How can that be? How can a lump of matter in your brain give you your visual field in how you actually experience it, give you the color green? Like, it's a miracle. It makes no sense at all. You, we're not oh, even dude. close. Dude, yeah. the other day I meditated, you know, instead of sitting in a chair like a like a yogi on a pillow and going rom rom, I just meditated while I was mindlessly eating Twizzlers and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because listen, Z, I'm an adult and being an adult and paying taxes means the one fringe benefit of my life is that I get to eat the candy early on Halloween, okay? Hell um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there like mindlessly eating Twizzlers and I'm like I should meditate right now. So I start to meditate right now and I'm like, god, who is this weird machine that's just mindlessly eating Twizzlers? And how am I able to observe it in its Twizzler eating state? Like, I'm sitting back here thinking about the machine that's eating the Twizzlers, which is me, uh, or the icon that represents Tom Heineber. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm not thinking eat the Twizzlers. <laughs> I'm back here observing it and thinking how strange it is, you know? What you just did is a, a non dual. Uh, meditation, which is being the witness. So yeah, saying, but uh, but oh. my the way I said it was awesome because it had Twizzlers involved. You know what? Nailed it. This is why <laughs> this is this is why the New Age pussies will never will never run the earth because they don't eat Twizzlers. They don't use Twizzlers as an example. They're like uh, the great uh, one awareness that you. They're like we're we're the gonna witness. we're gonna be passing out matcha snacks later. Uh, <laughs> 
You're like, bitch, I'm eating a Twizzler and understanding the the qualia experience of eating a Twizzler. So <laughs> well, and this is so this is also like this is why I think why me and you both like absurdist humor and why like well it will will you know insert absurdist humor into the middle of these these long complex uh, rants about science, technology, the human condition is because. You know, it's a paradox. The way we live is such a fundamental paradox that resolving that paradox uh, or, you know, being able to hold that paradox is absurd. It's just absurd, like, what's going yeah. on here, you know? Yeah, it's true. A holding paradox, that, 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 that is the fundamental. And that's why I think, I think a, lot of, uh, a lot of these guru types are interesting. So I saw one in Berkeley last week. I was telling you this guy, Rupert Spira. And um, <clears throat> they have these really quirky senses of humor. Like just in the middle of saying this deep shit, they'll say something that's fucking hilarious, and you're like, "Oh yeah, oh, wow, yeah," like because they they just see it all as this dance and this interplay of the of 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 waves in an ocean, and they are the waves and they are the ocean all at once, and they are separate and yet one all at once. They hold that paradox and they and they think it's hilarious. That's you instead know, it, of like stressing it, about it. Yeah, the evil maniacal version of that is like the Joker from Batman. You know, totally. Like Same thing. he yeah. sees the absurdity of it all, and uh, he's like, it takes a nihilistic view. Yeah, exactly. It's nihilism, and it's just like I'll just watch it all burn and laugh as it burns. You know, exactly, exactly. Now, and that that's interesting because I think there's an ethical component that emerges or it doesn't from spiritual pursuits. So you can either become a nihilist, like say the Zen uh, samurai, not the the, the Zen um, kamikaze pilots in Japan, you know, there was a book, Zen and the Art of War, they were militarizing Zen Buddhism by basically saying, hey, everything is empty, There's, you're not really a self, so give up yourself to the larger self, which is the state, and um, go ahead and fly your plane into these American destroyers. And Yeah, wasn't there so, something about some of them believe they were gonna fly right through the plane? Like, Yeah, because it's empty. Or fly, fly right through the battle, the destroyer, or whatever they were aiming at? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, because this comes from this Buddhist idea of emptiness, which I think is a real thing. And I actually asked this guru guy in Berkeley at this uh, at this community center where I went to go see him speak with this other doctor who's really into these things. And um, <laughs> I, I asked him a question, and you know, it's two hundred people. I think I think I did. I tell you this story. I told you this story. Oh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll tell yeah. it again. You should tell yeah, it for I'll the podcast, it though. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting story. So so here I am. Z Dog fucking MD. I'm a skeptic. I'm, you know, a, a raised pretty much an atheist. And I go to this gathering of spiritual seekers in Berkeley who are are going to see Rupert Spira, S-P-I-R-A. So he has these videos on YouTube that I'd been watching for a while because he's a very rational, non-dual teacher. What he means is that, you know, awareness is the only thing there is, and there's ways to get at that and to intuitively feel that and to live from that in a better way. And I, I was compelled by his shit, as are some friends, actually Devin Moore, who's my um, who's our audio guy, he likes watching his videos. And there's something about the way this guy teaches. He's just a rational fucking guy. He's not some weird new age pussy ass piece of shit. So <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, fuck, I like this guy. I like the doctor who I made friends with, who I'd met through a contact in Hawaii when I did a talk there, who was interested in different things like psychedelics and medicine and things like that. And I said, okay, this guy hit me up and he's like, hey, Rupert Spira's coming. I don't know if you've heard of him. I'm like, yeah, watch his videos. Come to Berkeley. And I'm like, God, fuck. So <clears throat> I just done some shit. I forget what I was doing. I was busy all day. And then I had to 
I had to face the prospect of driving an hour and a half in rush hour traffic to go to Berkeley where I went to school. And I'm like, God, fucking full of hippies. Place is basically berkeley stan. It's like, I, I hate the far left. I really do. As a, as a moderate left guy, I hate the far left. I think they're delusional psychopaths and I want them all to die. So oh, yeah, I'm you like, sh- here you I- should. You should, by the way. You should. They're 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 as mentally they're the ill as the far right. Yeah, they're they're, they're the as worst. mentally ill as the far right. They're the same. Right. And exactly. so so I'm like, now nah, I gotta go back here. And so I show up, every stop sign has a, you know, fuck Trump and this and that. <laughs> you know, you know, they banned natural gas in Berkeley. Like new construction cannot have natural gas because, you know, climate change, right? And I'm What's like, wrong okay, with that the seems gas, man? It's natural, man. <laughs> What part of natural don't you understand, bro? <laughs> Vegan Gaines told me to. Okay, so anyway, so at this point, I I, su- I finally overcome my immense resistance to doing this shit. I'm like, this is going to suck. I'm going to be surrounded by hippies. So I, sh- I show up at this. Uh, it's a Jewish community center is where they're holding the event. And there's already a bunch of motherfuckers sitting on the porch outside. It, some of them are in just, you smell patchouli oil. You smell weed. I'm like, this fucking, I almost made a U-turn right at the fucking steps of this thing. I was like, this is the stupidest shit. Like, I'm living every stereotype of the most pussy-ass shit I can imagine. So, at at this point, I almost called you, dude. I almost was like, Tom, I got to get the fuck out of here. You got to talk me down from the ledge. Like, I'm not walking into this place. Like, this is fucking terrible. What's what's funny, though, is I would have told you to go. I would have been like, you should go. I know you would have. I know you would have. You should have go, That's why... That's why I would have. That's why I was almost called you because I was like, I need this. I need this motherfucker to talk me into going to this shit just for the experience. <laughs> so I meet my friend who I only had virtually met. I'd ne- we'd never met. We'd only emailed, and I liked him a lot because we shared a lot of philosophy. And and so, by the way, isn't that he, weird? Isn't that weird when you do that? Like you meet a friend from the internet, like somebody who you you share like interests. I always think it's so strange. I do it too sometimes, and it's it's a weird experience. It's so strange, and it's a wonderful side effect of all the negative side effects that you get from the internet. I was like, wow, I met somebody I never would have met. Right. And I mean, it, never. And uh, and it's wonderful. It's opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. It's given me a lot of interesting leads on how to pursue things I'm interested in, and, and what, I never would have done it. Actually, let's drill down on this a little bit before you tell the story more, is uh, why, why do you think you were feeling such significant resistance? You know, I... Ever since coming back to the Bay Area, I've kind of struggled, right? Like we've done videos on burnout and all that. I think all that's even bullshit. I think honestly, if I'm really being honest, it's because I am not doing, I'm not pursuing what I really came here to pursue, which is these bigger questions that really have sort of plagued me since I was young, which is what is, why the fuck are we here? Why is there something rather than nothing? How is it that I have the experience of the color green? Like well, these science, things keep me up. Right. Me. And science wasn't fulfilling for you because science is all how and not why. If science was the was my god for the longest time because it fulfilled me up to the point where it failed. And and so for, right. for a long time, like I could study Drosophila melanogaster fruit flies in a genetics lab and feel like I was touching the face of God. Like that's what it felt like. I'm getting into the mind of the creator by doing this because I'm looking at these genes that create who we are. And then you run up against the boundaries of that where that mm-hmm. starts to fail and you go, oh, fuck. So these deeper questions and then, you know, getting a little older and, and feeling like, you know, I only have a limited time to figure this shit out. I don't want to die and not know why I was here. So 
So that kind of stuff then meets the practicalities of, oh, I need to post some shit on Facebook. I need to do a video about this. I need to worry about what the nurses think about what I'm gonna post. I need to worry about what the doctors are mad about something I said. So, well, there's the resistance. It's like there's a there's an egoic component of your separate self that's fighting to go, wait, I'm still important. Don't you try to figure out what actually exists beyond me because I am you. Like this bundle of thoughts and emotions and, and nerves and all that. And then you have someone like Rupert Spira, who's the guru guy, saying, hey, uh, isn't the person you take to be you, doesn't that person have to persist through time? Do your thoughts, your emotions, your body, do these other things, do they really persist through time or do they constantly changing? Are they fleeting? Are they ephemeral? What does persist through time? Think about that. Ask yourself, who am I? And when you actually ask that question, you realize, oh, I'm not this shit. I'm actually the deeper, broader awareness. The ego hates that shit. It starts to come back with a vengeance. It says, don't go in the traffic to Berkeley. Those hippie ass bitches are gonna fuck with you. You're gonna hate this. You're gonna look stupid. You know, this is the worst part, that the ego hates looking stupid, right? People are gonna oh. think you're stupid. Oh my god. Oh right? dude, so I went to this I went to this thing. I had a similar experience to you. Like I went to this thing. It was a Bitcoin meetup and you know, some of the people that are in Bitcoin are are some of the smartest people in the world and, and some of the people I interacted with at this meetup, I could tell were 30 or 40 IQ points higher than me. And uh, mm. I was nervous to go because I was like I'm not smart enough to be to hang out with these people, you know, even though I consider myself pretty smart. And so I, I was so nervous and I got there and I was like, you know what? Like, yeah, I'm not the smartest person in this room, but that's good. I'm learning a lot. You know, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Absolutely. But, but the resistance was palpable. How do you how do you get over yours? Because the way I do it is I just have to white knuckle it. Like, I just have to be like, fuck it. I'm going. I'm just going to drive. I'm not going to think about it. Is that how you get through yours or do you have like a, a method for it? No, that was that was it. I, I, it. Partially that, and then you have to have people around you that push you a little. So my wife actually uh, was like, "Hey," I was like, "Because I, I called her, I was like, when are you coming home?' Because you know Victoria's got to leave, and I'm just not going to go to this thing because you know you're going to come home late." I was coming up with excuses, right? Like you're going to yeah, come home yeah, late. Yeah. Victoria's going to have to stay late, and I don't want to keep her overtime. And the kids are freaking out, and there's so much fucking traffic, and this is going to be so fucking stupid. So I don't want to go to this. So just tell me when you're coming home, and I'll make some dinner or something. And she's like, you've been talking about this fucking thing. You really want to go to this fucking thing. Why are you fucking around? Go to this fucking thing. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, but I don't, it's so much traffic and it's probably going to suck. And, you know, I'm going to find out it's dumb. She's like, then go and find out it's dumb so that you don't have to talk about it anymore. Just go. So partially it was relying on her to kind of push me. And then partially I knew deep down, I was like, this is this is all lined up in a way that's never going to line up again. I have to go do it. I have to push through it. So you have to white knuckle it and surround yourself with people that don't enable your bullshit. Yeah, because and you, her, have to her, set, her, you have to set yeah. your intention to the people around you. You have to say, I I really yeah. would like to do this thing. You have to be honest, and then Make your la intention later, public. yeah, later when you try and back out, you know, there's a little bit of a social contract there where they're like, you really want to do this? You should go do it. Like I would have told you, like because you talked to me about this stuff. I would have told you to go if you had called me. I would have said the same thing. Oh, like yeah. that's that's the social contract that you're uh, you know and isn't it a fascinating man that like once you do this it's so goddamn empowering 
that you just wanna, oh my god you want to keep doing it like that you overcame that resistance it feels like you know being obese and going to the gym for the first time in years like it feels fucking amazing you feel like you're on fire and then you do it again and then again and then you have momentum and then suddenly you're just the kind of person who just easily overcomes resistance it's amazing Dude, that's absolutely one of the truest things ever because because that that that's exactly what ended up happening. You get this momentum and confidence and and intention makes more intention. And the thing you said about setting your intention publicly to your friends. So remember, I was saying the ego is the thing that's resisting, right? It's like right. no, 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 no. I'm still I still matter. I'm important. No, you're gonna look like a fool. You're gonna be stupid. The ego is also quite motivated by shame of uh, uh, friends and family. Right. So if you set your intention publicly, then your friends and family start to actually reinforce this ego fear of like uh, failing to live up to your intention. And then it becomes fulfilling. So you go, okay, well, now the ego's torn because it's like, well, I told all my friends I was going to go do this and now I'm going to puss out. So totally. shit, I better go do it. So even, you want to use it. Go back to the beginning of this conversation. Like, I'm sure that there are people who are listening to the podcast who are like, oh, they're bashing religion. My friends and family aren't going to like that. I'm going to just tune out. And then even if there's a small kernel of like, hmm, this is an interesting conversation, it just immediately becomes resistance. And then you're like, can't bring this back to my tribe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally, totally. You know, and those people are missing out on the deeper truth, which is if you think we're anti the fundamental underpinnings of religion, in other words, the spiritual yearning that is the basis of religion, then you've missed the whole boat. Right. That's exactly well, what we're talking about. It's yeah. hard. It's hard to get there if you're not. I think me and you both have the benefit of being obstinate. Uh, like that mm. we're we're both pretty disagreeable people. And so it's Highly. like right. Highly. So it's like whatever you're trying to tell me to do, fuck off. I'll go fine. But now that's that's detrimental uh, occasionally as well. On, on several levels. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but who right. cares? Made us who we are. What are we going to do? Got to just own our what our ego structure is. So our little separate personality. Yeah, this exactly. little storm. This little storm cloud has got a middle finger for a fucking cumulonimbus. It's just well, like, hey, check this out, bitch. Well, and think about it, too. Like here in reality, like, yeah, we're talking about, you know, having a higher self and everything. Most of the time, my ego is running the show. Most of the time. 99.9% yeah, of the time. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're identified with it. It's it's who we are. Yeah. And and again, and uh, the other thing, Tom, that I forget sometimes when I'm talking to people about this stuff is that I've been thinking about this stuff for about seven years now since I moved to Vegas. And so I've had a lot of time to ease into these ideas. And if you just assault people with these kind of thought, these kind of oh. concepts, very, yeah, they, they shut down. It, it's something so different, right? So so, yeah, so we I have had, to be positive. I had my you know I had my uh, experience on dimethyltryptamine which was like a very religious type experience for me and when I came back I, I was spouting all this same kind of stuff I was like it's all truth and love man and like we're all connected man and uh, <laughs> exactly people were just like why don't you put down the bong bro and I you know and I was like Oh man, they, maybe they have a point, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Oh man, I got, yeah. I got all sad, and then it kind of got beaten out of me. But I still keep it uh, with me in the back of my mind. Just it's like, still there. It's yeah. still there. You get, you got, you, you saw something there, and 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 that and that's the thing is like you come back from these experiences, and then you know whether they're meditative or whether they're you know spiritual experiences or whether they're mystical experiences or whether they're drug experiences, it doesn't matter. That you come back and you're like you question everything after the fact because it, it was hyper real, right? So, yeah. so you get over the resistance, and then I'm there, and then I'm sitting there, and then we go and sit down, and we sit down in the third row because the doctor friend of mine has done like uh, meditation retreats with this guy, so he wanted to get up close because they know each other and this and that, and so. 
I sit down and, and, you know, people are buzzing around. There's about 200 people or so in this little space. And, uh, you know, all kinds of ages, like people with white beards that look like they've been yogis for like millennia. And then like young people, like uh, people who look like they had pocket protectors and were like physicists, just crazy group of people in Berkeley at this little ashram. And so, so we sit down and the guy comes out, Rupert Spira, he sits down in the chair and everyone's making noise. And he just closes his eyes. And for some reason, everybody just gets this message. Everyone sits down and it, Within, I don't know, a minute, in 200 people, you can hear a fucking pin drop. Like everybody is tuned into this guy. And all he's doing is sitting in a chair next to a little table with some flowers on it. He's got a microphone in front of him on a stand and he's got his eyes closed. And then he'll open his eyes and he'll look at everyone. And then he's, he's got his eyes closed again. And in any other world, I'd have been like, this is some pussy ass new age shit. <laughs> but then, but then he but then he opened his mouth and he said, Today's talk is sponsored by Arby's. And then you were in. <laughs> I was like, thank God, because I was so hungry for a beer the, float. They have the meats, people. Anyway, let's talk about consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. That would have fucking crushed. That would have been amazing. So so he, he's doing this and everyone's dead silent, man. You could hear breathing in the room. No one was even coughing. And then he starts to talk. And so everyone's in this state and then he starts to talk. And he just talks about, he's, the first thing he said, and he speaks in this very calm, meditative way. He says, and he's British, so it sounds dope as fuck, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says, uh, the reason that many of you are here is because you've attained material success, you've strived, you've accomplished, and it's brought you no happiness. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I almost wanted to raise, raise my hand and be like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and, and then he goes into the whole thing, you know, his teachings about, well, that's because here's why we're missing the bigger truth and we're missing this understanding and, and so on. And then he, so he does this little meditative thing and then he goes into the Q&A. And so again, everybody's just rapt attention and it almost feels like a flow state. People are just really tuned into this guy's vibe. And I think that the great spiritual teachers can do that, right? A great preacher can do that. He can bring you along on this ride where you're tuned into that mental wavelength and you're feeling what he's feeling and he, you're in that space. And it's, it's wonderful. Like you feel, you intuitively feel this conceptual thing that's hard to conceptualize. And so he had, you know, a bunch of people are asking questions and some of them are, and even said, he's like, you know, here we are in Berkeley. You guys are the center of PC and all this liberal bullshit. And he goes, who cares about that? Like what we're trying to talk about is these high, the higher teachings that transcend all of that. And you guys have been on this path for a long time. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to make any concessions to your limited minds. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And so one woman asks like, so Rupert, you know, my, my, my son is transitioning his gender and it's really upsetting to me. And I'm very worried about him. And I wanted to know, I don't know what to do about him. And I wanted to know how you think about these sort of gender fluidity thing. And this guru goes, close your eyes. You know, experience the sensations of your body and your thoughts and things like that. Do they have a gender? Do they have a center? Do they have a density? Do they have whatever? Open your eyes. Is any of that true? 
No. Then why are you obsessed with what your son's gender is? Why are you obsessed with what your son self-identifies? What do you? Wh- why does that matter when you know what you both are? You both are this calm, unperturbable presence of awareness in which these ideas are arising like a little storm. So instead of identifying with the storm and worrying about what whether he's male or female or cis or trans or whatever, treat him as the same type of being that you are and approach him from that angle, free of all that, and see what happens. Okay. And uh, I would be yeah. super, I would be super remiss if I didn't ask you this question here. But what do you think about the pediatrician who wants her seven year old son to transition? Have you seen that story? I haven't seen that story. Oh, it's it's a big juicy one. Um, but her name is God. What her, what is her name? Anne Georgioulis, and her and her husband are having a long drawn out court battle over their son transitioning. And it seems pretty obvious, I'm just, you know, armchair quarterback in this, that she has Munchausen by proxy, big time. And she, she is forcing this child to transition and has been, you know, basically indoctrinating them since they were a small boy and being like, you're a pretty girl, mommy thinks you're a pretty girl, don't you, don't you feel like a girl, don't you think you're a girl? And the father has been taking videos of the this kind of behavior, and it's like it's a crazy, you know, drama that's playing out. But it, it gets compounded by the fact that she's a pediatrician, which is uh, wow. Maybe we should do a deeper dive for another, another. That's another know, episode, yeah, yeah because yeah. that's more like okay, these are egos being weird, right? So, right, lost in the sauce of like wow, that's uh, wow. Yeah. But uh, I think I think the interesting point in this, yeah, ooh, the interesting point in this is like you know you have this very very liberal. There were a couple of uh, trans people in the audience, right? And everybody there, I didn't do it justice the way he described it, right? So he takes you through this mental process of understanding that that's not the important question. And um, in such a transcendent way that everybody there, including the woman, was just like, whoa, like I never, why are we, <clears throat> why are we so lost in this sort of sauce of, of, of these egoic struggles that that's what's bothering us when really we're, we're so much, uh, bigger than that, and we can still include that. We can still be mindful of that. But it, but it, but but that's not like why should you be so stressed about those sort of issues on any of any side of that as the son or as the mom? It was really interesting. So you know, Cur- and then of what, course, he, cur- curious yeah. question. Curious question here. Do you think that um, this is why fame is is so terrible for so many people because you're basically supercharging the egoic self? Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. And then not, not only maybe yeah. that's a societal thing too because now we all feel famous. We all feel like we're on social media all day long, you know. And this is why we've been seeing this wave of unhappiness, depression, anxiety. Fame even on social media is a poisonous toxin that feeds the ego because the ego is never happy. So the ego is always looking for more fame, more acknowledgement, more validation, and it's never enough. So you can get a thousand positive messages about what a wonderful, you know, great transcendent talent you are, and one negative message that says you're a piece of shit that's an imposter, and all you'll feel is the imposter piece and try to strive to prove it wrong. And You know, this is probably what's been going on with you too, because you, you like suddenly became you know, well-known in the last couple of years. I don't want to say famous, but like you're definitely more well-known than you ever have been in your entire life. And so there's a larger attack surface there for your ego to try and defend. 
Oh, I mean, uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And, and not only that, but you're always stressed about how do I continue to grow and, you know, have more influence and, you know, because you're rationalizing that, well, if I have more influence, I can in, in, implement change and this sort of thing. But in, in reality, there's a component of your ego that just cannot stand losing all this, these, these hard-won gains in terms of influence because it's an egoic value. Oh, I'm important. People care about what I say. Even change uh, is sort of sort of an egoic construct, right? Because you're like, I'm the one to change it. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's yeah, the, yeah. like think things do need to change, obviously. But like, you know, I think sometimes we get you, wrapped, gotta, you get wrapped up in the idea that like I'm gonna leave a legacy and I'm gonna do this and yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do that. And know? it's it's ab- abject nonsense. Absolutely when you look at it. Yeah. So and that and that brought me then to the question that I asked. So people were asking questions of all different levels. You know, there were some like crazy <clears throat> guru types who would just who would who would be like Rupert, I see you, you know, Advaita and start speaking in Sanskrit and crazy shit like this. And I'm like and they would they would have a conversation at this level that sounded like it was a foreign language and it was in English. And you realize, oh, these are people who've been on the path studying this form of meditation or whatever. But then some kid would ask, hey, uh, Rupert, um, man, I like found you on YouTube, man. <laughs> I have a question. Like, are we, a, our limbic system says emotion. And, and it's like this really dumb, like he didn't quite understand the teaching. But Rupert would be like, well, let's back up a second. This is, you know, he was really good at, at doing that. But he also suffered no fools. Like he would be like, he would basically say the equivalent of shut the fuck up and stop being so much about yourself and let me tell you what's going on. And and it was fucking dope. Like God, no prisoner. That's another thing. Don't people fucking love that? That just like the con the confidence man. Not not saying he's a con man or anything. I'm just saying like so, finding somebody who seems to have a lot of confidence in any one direction. You're like, I'm going to fucking follow that guy. It's like in Forrest Gump when people just start following Forrest Gump because he's running across the country, you know? thousand percent. We're always looking for that person in any area that we can find them. Yeah. And you know, it's something when you, somebody who takes no prisoners and is uncompromising. Yes. That's really what it is. Like this. That's why people love Trump. That's true. He's just like, fuck it. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't back down. Remember when he said he was going to build the wall and make it 10 feet higher and then it was like Cinco de Mayo and he posted a picture of him eating a taco bowl and it said, I love Hispanics. <laughs> he, doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't back down from anything. <laughs> I said I said earlier today, I was like, I was like, listen, Trump is gonna definitely go down as one of the worst presidents in history, but he's also the best working comedian right now. Okay. By far. Nobody by far. makes Funniest. me laugh harder than the president. Like the president is funnier than any comedian doing jokes about the president. <laughs> that, 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 that's what Marty Macri said. McCary said uh, he meets with the president often about uh, healthcare stuff. And he's like, I said, well, how do you compare him to Obama and other people you've worked with? And he goes, he's by far the funniest man who has ever sat the office of presidency. Like <laughs> yeah. he, by far, he's hilarious in person. He's really funny. So, so I know, is that a good trait for a president? No, to it's a terrible, it's a terrible trait. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, uh, what are you going to do? So at, at this point, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm in a, I'm in a good state of mind. And I go, you know, I'm going to ask this motherfucker a question. So I raise my hand and the way it works is, you know, there's 200 people, all, you know, a bunch of people are raising their hands. Rupert will just pick out of the audience and then someone will walk up to you with a mic. You know, manservant Hecubus comes up, <laughs> up to you with a, with a mic. And so I raise my hand and he picks me because I'm bald. And uh, the guy comes up with the mic. And at this point, I had a little surge of panic. I'm like, oh my God, dude, I'm in the heart of, uh, 
you know, spiritual new age bullshit on earth, you know, Berkeley, <laughs> California. And I'm about to ask a question of the guru, man, in front of all these other motherfuckers. So like my ego's like, bitch, don't, don't flub this shit. Like you're going to fuck up and look like an asshole. But then the other part of me was like, no, I actually have this question. So I go, Rupert, I found you on YouTube too. Cause the guy behind me had been like, bro, I found you on YouTube. So I'm like, I too can play this fucking bro down. So I said, yeah, I, 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 I fucking found you on YouTube and I, I like what you do, but I got to be honest, I'm an atheist. And you hear this like gasp from the audience, just <gasps> like, oh shit, like someone just threw feces at a fucking wedding, right? <laughs> and I go, I'm an, a I'm an atheist. And uh, I discovered spirituality through a fellow atheist named Sam Harris. And you can hear this, <laughs> Sam Harris, <laughs> like people. <laughs> Like people know who he is, right? He, and and I, and I'm like, oh shit, where is this gonna go? And of course, the whole time, this motherfucker is just is he is focused on me with eye contact like a fucking laser. Like that's what he does. He's just mm -hmm. it's just nonstop eye contact, no blinking, just in your face. He's on the stage, and and I go. So I heard, you know, that I read his book, Waking Up, A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion, and it opened my eyes to meditation and non-dual thought, and that's how I discovered you, and then I heard you do an interview with him on his meditation app, and I was really riveted because you guys argued about the nature of reality, is it consciousness, is it is it material, and then you went into, and you could tell like there's like people are tense in the audience because the discussion that they had, it was an actual argument. So Harris was arguing the nature of reality with Rupert Spira on his own podcast, mm. and it got tense. And in fact, Harris introduced the, the, the conversation on his app as, listen, you guys may find this disturbing because the first 30 minutes we're just basically arguing. We're debating the nature of, of reality, and, and we both have strong opinions about it. So if that bothers you, you may not, you know, you may want to skip ahead or whatever, but I'm like, oh, hell, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. So... So I bring this up in this space and and I said, and then, so I said, okay, that's cool. But then what you, you said something in the second half where you said on your path, you would, you would go through these meditative practices and this realization began to unfold. And somewhere in the realization, you realized that the body and the mind were empty. And I said, at the level of thought, at the level of my you know, separate egoic self, I don't understand what that means. Can you, and I didn't even finish the sentence. And he goes, close your eyes. And I'm like, oh shit. Because this had happened to others earlier. And they got fucking eviscerated. Like he, he was just like, cause someone was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, and my problem is. <laughs> right, right. Would be like, close your eyes. Okay, tell me what you're feeling. Well, I feel like, no, I didn't ask you that. I said, what are you feeling? And he goes, well, I, no, I didn't ask you that. And it was just fucking brutal. So. I was expecting to be raped, right? So at this point, uh, I, I close my eyes, and uh, he goes, imagine yourself as a newborn. You've just been born, and you have no capacity for complex thought, for words, for any of that. You're brand new on the scene, okay? What is your body? And I'm thinking, at this point, I'm like experiencing, you know, you know, the, the feeling of having a body. And I'm like, okay, how do I describe this if I'm a newborn? Like, I'm, I think, I'm overthinking this. I'm like, well, the newborn would say this. And, I, and then I realized that the newborn has no words. So I'm just like, I'm gonna shut the fuck up for a second. And like an uncomfortable silence goes by. And then he goes, good. 
Now use your limited capacity for words right now to describe what your body actually is. If you're, if you're, if you have no concepts about it, and I'm like, okay. So I said, vibration, and he goes, yes, vibration. He goes, does this vibration that you're feeling with your eyes closed as a newborn infant does it have a shape? And I had to actually pay attention, and I'm like, well, as a matter of direct experience, I said. No, it doesn't, it's just vibration. Does it have a color? No. Does it have a limit to it, a size? No. Does it have a density? No. Does it have a gender? Relating back to the previous woman's question. I said, absolutely not. He goes, open your eyes. You just answered your question. That's what it means when we say the body is empty. It's empty of actual substance. It's only a matter of experience. It's sensations arising and disappearing in the field of what you are, which is open, boundless, spaceless, timeless awareness. And for the first time in my life, I think, I actually felt that intuitively instead of conceptually. And I was like, I just said, thank you. And he goes, thank you. You figured it out. I was like, fuck. That's what a teacher can do. And uh, if I hadn't fucking overcome the resistance and the and the and the all the bullshit baggage, the new age bullshit that I had to deal with, I never would have had that experience. And it was absolutely transformative because it was dumb. It was a dumb little piece of teaching, but so perfect for what I needed at that time. So that was the experience that I had. It also, you know, it really says something about how you can do all this at home, right? Like you, you can listen to the stuff, you can watch it on YouTube, you can, you can read all the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can meditate at home, but we just need each other, man. And there's something about getting out in the real world in a real environment and interacting with a real person that is qualitatively different than doing it online. No doubt. And you know what? That was something I was resistant to, too, is like, I don't want to do this with other people because that's dumb. And other people are stupid, man. And like, I don't want to listen to some guru or go on some retreat and have to sit with a bunch of pussies doing some dumb shit. And the truth is, boy, being in that room with other people, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like, I get it now. I understand it. Like, this is, I understand church. I understand uh, yeah, religion. Yeah. I understand spirituality. It all makes sense. I was like, "Oh, I've I've not had this." So I had yeah, a very really... I had a very similar experience at at my you know Bitcoin meetup thing where I realized I you know I could feel for the first time. This has been all very um, neocortex based. You know, it's been all thinking, n- nothing really much in the feelings department with me. And then for the first time, I was in a room full of other people who thought the same way I did had the same, you know, in general, the same opinions. And there was a palpable feeling in the air that was like, oh, man, we we all are connected on this one. We're focused on this one central point. I I think maybe that's one of the things that humans love the most about God as well, too, is that God is a central point that we can all relate to. So you can all get together in a community and no matter what race you are or gender you are or sex you are, you know, or uh, sexual orientation you are, ideally if your church is cool and progressive, you can all focus and fixate on the single focal point that is God and have a very you know interesting shared experience. Absolutely. And, and that sense of I am, that sense of being, uh, yeah. is common to all, all humans. I would argue all creatures have this sense of I am. The one thing that isn't an illusion is that you're having an experience. And, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I never had that in the Catholic Church, and I've been to so many Catholic Church services. Why? Never, why? Why do you think? Uh, you know, it just, 
God, it's hard to put my finger on it, but it just felt very... Catholic Church wants you in a box. <laughs> like they want you, they want you easily malleable and controllable, and so it's very uh, individual. There's not a lot, and it's just you know it's all ceremonial, and it's in half the services in Latin. It's just really hard to connect to as a you know mm. as as a normal person. <laughs> like, <laughs> so for you, it wasn't it did not trigger those kind of feelings. No, for me, when I was an altar boy and everything, too, and it was still like, it was just like, okay, now I got to ring the bell. Now I got to get up and do the incense. Now I'm supposed to hand the Father the sacrament. Now I'm supposed to do, it's just very, I never felt it, you know? Right. Procedural. I I felt like, yeah, it was procedural, and I felt like I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. And also, Catholic Church is, you know, punishment-based, so it's like, you must now put your knees on the hard pews, and we will now talk about what pieces of shit we all are. Okay, it's like (laughs) this is not inspiring to anybody i want to get the fuck out of here so fast yeah yeah interesting right yeah you know so 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 speaking of that so then the next day i ended up going to the science and non-duality conference which was another thing that that same friend had turned me on to and i had much less resistance right i was like oh okay i did you got momentum you got momentum i have momentum i'm like you know what i'd be an idiot if i didn't go see donald hoffman who's one of my you know intellectual idols go see him give this three and a half hour fucking workshop again, rush hour traffic all the way down in San Jose. It's like an hour drive away. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna spend the 70 bucks, register for this one session and go and do it. And um, I show up, a bunch of hippies everywhere, but also a bunch of like gray bearded scientists. And I'm like, oh, this is science and non-duality. So I go sit down, I meet Donald for the first time. We did a pot like a two hour podcast before right. we've never met. And he was just, uh, immediately I was struck by this humble, kind, like really untypical scientist, right? And uh, and I was like, wow, this is a nice guy. And he was like, oh, Zubin, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. I'm like, dude, you're a famous dude. Like, it's really impressive how humble he is. And so in any event, so I sit down and sitting next to me, you know, the room fills up maybe 40 people, right? So these are hardcore people who want to understand the nature of reality. And something about Hoffman has triggered them to come attend this session. Now, I've, I'm very familiar with his work. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna check this out. I sit next to a guy who looks all of about 20 years old. And it turns out he is all about 20 years old. He's this kid who uh, was finishing up his last year in psychology at in Oregon at college. And he's been... I. And I, I introduced myself. Well, how'd you find Hoffman? He goes, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting conference. Why are you at this conference? He goes, oh, I just have always been interested in spirituality. My parents are both big hippies and I'm studying psychology and I thought it'd be interesting. And so we started talking. I got to know this kid. And he was really smart and in tune with the same questions that I'm asking now. He was He's asking them at age 20, right? And uh, so it was a sense of like kind of interesting kinship where you're like, oh, these people are interested in what I'm interested in. Probably similar to your Bitcoin thing where you're like, oh, intellectually, I get it, but now there's this weird emotional connection. Then Hoffman starts doing his thing. And it is this interactive session where we start talking about split brain experiments, the nature of the problem of consciousness and how it emerges, looking at the science of split brain, looking at visual perception, looking at his theory of conscious agents, looking at how that might explain everything from uh, 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 the nature of reality to the nature of gods and plural, uh, uh, all the way up to um, how we can hack it and actually do things that we could never do technologically because we've got it of uh, this rookie mistake of mistaking our interface for reality and trying to manipulate an interface when we ought to be trying to manipulate reality. And 
I tell you, man, like it was an experience like I've never had. Three and a half hours that went by like a blink. I didn't even get out of my seat. It was interactive, so we're asking questions back and forth, shouting things at each other, and I've never felt that kind of thing in anything I've ever studied in medicine or anything like that. I was like, this is, I felt like I was sitting there watching like, you know, Newton come up with this new thing before anyone had really figured it out and just going, holy shit, um, I have to I have to go out and tell people about this. It's it's a crazy feeling. And I think that's what happens when you get into these sort of things where you're passionate about stuff. And totally. it doesn't matter what it is. It could fucking be knitting, right? It could be definitely that's, could well, be Bitcoin. That's what I think. Right. The t- that's what I think the takeaway is, is like, you know, I'm actually very interested in uh, your journey through consciousness. And I'm, I'm always interested to hear you talk about it because I share a lot of the same feelings and ideas. I just don't feel like it's the right time for me to dive deep into that rabbit hole at this point in my life but i do think the takeaway from this conversation is the area in your life that you're feeling resistance to right now is the area to run towards right and i'm sure you got a lot of good reasons you know but they're all bullshit and you know they're bullshit and it's just us Mm. here like you're listening to me tell you it's bullshit admit it to yourself it's bullshit i have to do the same thing to myself so you have to humble yourself and then you have to white knuckle through the, that initial, you only got to be brave for like, you know, 10 seconds. Just make the decision to walk out the door. And then your whole life changes in an instant. Like, it's so crazy how it works. That, and that that's the takeaway for our audience, right? That's the one takeaway is like, look, you know in your heart what you're supposed to do. Like, exactly. go and do it. Exactly. Don't make excuses. Just go and do it. If if you're really if your if your heart is telling you this, and heart is a strange term too. It's like this deep intuition, right? Uh, yeah, that, that you do need to listen to. I think it's important to listen to it because your brain will try to talk you out of it. Intuition, um, intuition is just like you know an amount of processing that can't be easily, uh, easily yeah. ex- explained. You know, or, or disseminated. Yeah. It's your little sub unconscious subminds that have been working in the background. They actually have your best interest in heart sometimes. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you really do need to overcome your impulses, right? But there is a underlying drive. It, one thing you said is interesting, like at this point in your life, that's not a rabbit hole you want to go down. I agree. I think it's interesting that I feel this sense of urgency now because, mm. you know, at 46, look, I'm not going to die tomorrow, but I might. I could have a heart attack. I could have a stroke. Uh, you know, I have this clotting disorder. At any point, I could die. I don't want to die without having explored this thing that I'm passionate about to the extent that I can so that I feel like, okay, this go around was was worth going around, right? Totally. Uh, and, totally. and so that sense of urgency happens as we get older. I think a lot of our audience is older. You know, the 35 to 44 demographic is our peak demographic. And I think we are struggling for this meaning and purpose and, and we have plenty of reasons not to pursue it. Uh, oh, that's good. those that's, reasons are yeah. wrong. That's got to be true. Dude, I never wasted more time than when I was like, you know, 19 or 20. I was just like, oh. I could just I could just lay around. You remember like when you're like 19 or 20 and you're like at college and you just fucking sit around in the quad and like oh. do do nothing? Like literally like the whole afternoons I just did nothing. I would just be sitting God. there. You know, so maybe great. I was a little maybe I was a little high, maybe I played a little hacky sack, who knows. But <laughs> But I like I just I, wa- I wasted so much time, but I think you have to do that early on. You know, you have to, you have, you can't. Youth is wasted on the young, right? Like you cannot be any other way. And right. the truth, the truth is, I spent most a lot of my early twenties just doing. Even though I was in med school and stuff, spent wasting so much time doing meaningless crap. And right now, I feel like every second is precious. It's like, uh, and and it goes by faster. So our relative sense of time speeds well, up as we get older. So 
that's yeah. another that's another thing too it's like you know you want another reason to fucking overcome the resistance to the thing you're feeling right now the thing you're feeling resistance about right now is probably not even the thing that you're supposed to conquer you're probably 20 or 30 things away from the thing you're supposed to conquer and you're gonna have to go through a lot more resistance to even get there to even be in the place where you're able to you know tackle what you're supposed to do or conquer what you're supposed to conquer like to make the mark you want to make on your life and in this world so you got to you got to tackle those early dominoes you got to get the snowball going now got to get the momentum going now Mm, man, there's a part of that that's just devastating to think about, right? Because <laughs> oh, the, yeah. the level oh, of yeah. the level of resistance just even at this point is so high. But it's, well, you, it's you, but un- think about it's think true. About you you've gone through a lot of stuff, right? Like I, I mean, you went through the thing where you're like, I'm going to become a successful doctor, and then you went through the thing where you're like, I'm going to make money, and then you went through the thing where it's like, I'm going to get known and have influence, and and now you're going through a different thing. So you, like you've already tackled a bunch of hurdles, you know. Yeah, I'm at I'm at like level, you know, maybe seven out of ten now. Like yeah. I think the next hurdle. And in yeah, your journey, yeah. you you had to do those things. Other people might not have to even do that. They might just, you know, like the twenty year old kid you met. He might just start working on consciousness jump right to it from the jump and realize, you know, early on that a lot of the things that you ended up doing were distractions. But you needed to like really beat them into the ground to know that they were distractions. Yeah, you know, I see it as like uh, this whole, you know, we've talked about this before as a joke, like ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny, like the human embryo goes through these phases where it recapitulates uh, its previous evolutionary history, which yeah. is one of the great, the great evidences actually for the theory of evolution is that humans will have a tail and that tail will involute and humans will have gill slits at one point because in embryonic development, we share a common ancestor with fish and so, you know, or whatever it is. And so um, this idea that, uh, as 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 we evolve in our life, right? We go through these phases where we, yeah, we go through this mythic magic thinking, we go through this achievement thinking, and we go through this wasting time, and we go through this so that we can then transcend to that new state of evolution. Uh, the kids, hopefully, the next generation, do it faster and more yes. efficiently, and and you know, so I, you can't begrudge them that. Well, At you want same time, you want you yeah. want to really like blow your mind. Think about it. Like think about like okay pre-agrarian history like the stone age that's like what half a million years or something and then you have like you have like agrarian history and that's like 10,000 years and then you have like the industrial revolution and that's like 200 years and then you have the information revolution that's like 50 years and then we don't even know what the revolution is we're living in now and that's going to be like 10 and then five and then three and then like it's an exponential growth curve to what the singularity like you know what i mean yeah this is what what is that i go go like techno utopian in my in my because I think it's like the practical application of all the things that you're talking about. Like, I actually think that we may experience some of these burgeoning phenomenon in our life. Like, who's to say that if we crack, you know, uh, if we take Donald Hoffman's like conscious agent theory and use it to re-examine, um, you know, the architecture of AI systems, there's no reason that we can't imbue an AI with consciousness. And then it's like, uh, oh shit, the game is re- the game is real. Like, this is gonna get yeah. super exciting, super fast. Yeah, no, no, no. And 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 actually some things that he said that were really interesting. And this is where like towards the end of his seminar, he started to crack the facade of, you know, okay, I've, there's this public face that I give about my work. And it started to crack as he started getting tired, like towards the end of it, because he expended so much energy, you know, in this sort of flow state. And he basically said, listen, guys, like, I use evolutionary game theory. I use these other things to show these theorems 
because they're the only thing that my colleagues will respect. Right. Because, because they think I'm crazy. Like, and the truth is, I, in, order to, in order to make this, take this to the next level of research, like we have to get these people on board and, and this is so different than the way they're used to thinking. That, that, that you know, honestly, like I think this is, I think, I think even evolutionary theory is wrong. I think it's more conscious evolution that happens and, but we're not there yet. And we have to, we have to poke holes in these theories and that's how science works. You, 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 you hope you're, proven wrong so that you find the hole in the theory so that then the next theory arrives. He's the consummate scientist, right? But yet he's talking about things that historically have been reserved for this sort of spirituality and woo-woo thinking. And he's at, he's bringing a scientific rigor to it that that really is 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 different. And I think so the next stage like you were talking about singularity and all this like where is man going? Even Sam Harris has said that he thinks if we can actually master this idea of non-duality and the way that we think about consciousness, we will be much less uh, destructive as a species and we'll be able to do things that we've never been able to do as a society and as a species. And if Hoffman's right about this conscious agent theory, we can use AI and we can use uh, different chemicals and different things like that to open different portals, different interfaces into reality. So in other words, we see things through a dumbed down human interface that allows us to survive. So we see reality in this form of icons. What if we saw the world through a, you know, through a, a dolphin's eyes? How does a dolphin perceive the world? How does a plant experience consciousness? Well, there are ways to, to potentially hack into those interfaces and experience them. And that would give us real insight into this network of conscious agents that creates reality. And, what, if, uh, what, if you had, what if you had a cybernetic <laughs> implant that allowed you to see gravity? Or, you know yeah, right. I mean? Yeah, or right. see, or see uh, you know, radio frequencies, or see microwave emissions, or like any a number of phenomenon that we can't see. I mean, that would be tr- like in- incredible. He, you know, you know, you know, you know what? Yeah, it's real interesting. There were a couple of guys in the audience for Hoffman's thing who are uh, practitioners of the toad. Right. And for people who don't don't know what that is, it's it's a five meo DMT extracted from this particular toad species, and it's a psychedelic, and it's used in shamanic ritual and as well as in guided psychedelic therapy and things like that. And I've never tried it, but um, people swear that it's a kind of a you know like a plant consciousness or or a, a sense that they're seeing the world through. They're seeing the network of reality around them through a different interface. In other words, the reality is there, but they're seeing it through the lens of uh, a different species, really. And it opens their eyes to what's actually around them that's always around them that they're unable to perceive because humans have an interface that dumbs that down because we don't need to see that in order to survive. And again, it opens your eyes to a deeper level of reality. Now, do you want that? Like when you did DMT, you saw a deeper level of reality, but you came out going, I'm not sure I wanted that. Well, I didn't know how to integrate it and we don't have any cultural traditions surrounding it. So, you know, when I did it, it's just me and my dumb friend in a shitty apartment smoking it out of a bong. And it's just like, Mm. then, then you come back with the wisdom of the universe and you're like, I'm not sure how to integrate this into my daily life where we go get McFlurries <laughs> at McDonald's, you know, Twizzlers, Twizzlers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's yeah. just one, of, it's one of those things that like, I don't know. Don't, don't you just feel though that it doesn't, it feel palpable that a sea change is coming in just a wide variety of, you know, it, all the underpinnings of how we live now are changing and they're eroding and we're, we're starting to see the perceptual shifts that are going to create 
you know, the foundational building blocks of the next paradigm. And it's like things like conscious agent theory, things like Bitcoin, things like AI. And like, it's just, ah, man, it's so exciting. Like when I start to think about this stuff, I just get fucking jazzed up and just want to like go out and like just, just be in service to our robot overlords as soon as they take over, you know, (laughs) you, you know, you know, you know what, what you're describing is, you know, we talked on the show previously about integral theory. It's a Ken Wilber guy talks about this stuff. There are these phases of development and new eras emerge when a couple of things happen. The, the previous era starts to reach its problem stages where more problems emerge than solutions from right. that way of thinking. And we're reaching that now. So it's been a long time since a new era has emerged. The last era to emerge is pluralistic green thinking, which was the 60s when people are like, wait a minute, hmm, maybe we shouldn't be racist and maybe there is a global sort of uh, humanity that we should be tapping into, et cetera. But then the failures of that are the madness of postmodern thinking and and multiculturalism gone crazy where all cultures are equal. Well, no, you know, subjugating women and doing these kind of things are not equal to a a society that doesn't do that. And, um, and, you know, well, anyone can be any gender they want from birth. Well, no, some people are just kind of happy with being male or female, right? We don't have to assume that everyone's genderless until proven otherwise. So, this is, so there's a certain degree of insanity that starts to creep in, and then the next phase emerges. So we're now on that sort of leading edge of that. Now, in any given population, about 1% of the population is already in that next phase of thinking. So when you go to these Bitcoin things, when I go to these like, you know, Hoffman things, it's kind of like, I start to fantasize it. I think that is part of that 1% in that line of thinking, right? In that particular intellectual line of of, of inquiry. Well, you, and you you definitely feel it to the more thing, the more time you start to when you're part of one of these like one percent subcultures or whatever they are, these emergent um, you know frameworks, you start to get a sense of it as things start to progress. And and when you realize that you're right and that you stumbled onto the correct thing, it starts to get really exciting. And then there's a momentum that builds on top of that. You know, like I started, I started talking to people about the Bitcoin thing at two hundred dollars, and now today it's like ten grand. You know. And it's only going to grow from there. And like, I think like it's, it's what we said about age is interesting too, because if you were younger, you'd be with me on this train because you'd be like a chance to do good and get rich. Sign me up. (laughs) Right. You're, you're already, you're already at a place where you feel like you have enough money and like you've done enough in the world. And now you want to go to the next phase, which is, you know, layers up, which is how do we re, how do we, how do we change the entire scientific method basically? Which, I mean, that's yeah. that's that's what you're actually doing. That's how you're reintegrating all your experiences in science with conscious agent theory. It's not just conscious agent theory and consciousness for the sake of consciousness. No, this will reshape the entire way we live if it turns out to be uh, something that we can, you know, manipulate. Basically, that that is exactly right. So 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 say okay, man. So God, we've already gone like an hour and a half too. Fuck so, it, but just here's keep going. Thing. If I get, if I get. So, so here's the thing. Like, um, <laughs> this is for our sake. It's for no one else's sake. So, like, uh, this idea of being right and being right for reasons that mean they're going to transform everything is a feeling that you get very rarely in life, right? And yes. you get you get it with Bitcoin. And actually, what's interesting is I'm because I'm. I'm older, and because I've experienced uh, a lot of weird economic stuff, I, I, I like I, when you talk about Bitcoin, I believe you. I actually believe you, 
But there's enough unconscious baggage that I'm like, you know what? But I also need stability. I can't go risking all this stuff on Bitcoin, even though it, he's right. And uh, it doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. I'm going to economically do okay. Right. So I don't need to invest in this. So, so that's my place. Now, for you, it's absolutely the opposite. It's like, no, this is the future of everything, right? And so you, you, and you know it. You know it. You feel it. And when you're around people who also know it, it's it's a really amplifying experience. I, I get the same thing with Hoffman. When I was sitting in that in that lecture, I was like, I don't know if everybody feels this, but holy shit, this guy is absolutely right. He's not perfectly right, but he's more right than anything we've ever experienced. And if he's right, this is such a paradigm shift in every way that that is going to transform human thinking to this next level that's almost unimaginable. I, we, and he even said this, you know, he said, he said, nobody knew when they invented, <clears throat> say, you know, the internet, how, what was going to come from that, that you couldn't even predict it, well, right? The inventors, think about, it, it, yeah. think about it like this too, it's all perceptual shifts. That call, that's that all it is. That that's change, all it is. That change the way we we live and better our lives. I mean, like I don't know if you ever. It was I think the Royal Academy of Scotland. I can't remember who it was, but like the guy who invented the microscope, microscope sent his findings. Van Leeuwenhoek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He sent his findings to the Royal Academy of whatever, and he was like, "You guys are not gonna fucking believe this, but it turns out there's small animals living in the water." And they sent him back. <laughs> they they sent him back a thing that was like, "You're drunk, and you should never write us when you're drunk again. How dare you, right?" And wow, he had discovered bacteria, <laughs> and he had to he had to bring the microscope to them and show them before they fucking were like, "Holy shit, this changes everything." Or or think about the fact that like for ten thousand years we had fire before somebody figured out. Oh, we should just capture the. En we're we're releasing all this energy into the sky. We should just bottle it back up and make steam power. It's all just very simple perceptual shifts, but they change everything when you and, you and know it, it, absolutely. It. And perception perception creates reality to a large degree because it creates the world we live in. It really does exactly. because that's how we act in the world. And here's the here's the other piece of that: the resistance component. So, I have never experience resistance to an idea as vehement, as strongly as I have to this idea of conscious agent theory by Hoffman. And it perplexes oh, me. Oh, yeah. Remember when you proposed it to Peter Atiyah and he was having a very hard time wrestling with it? Absolutely. And he's this one of the smartest people I know. And so... And, and so Blis blisteringly smart. He, he thinks at an incredible blistering. speed. Yeah. Yeah. Like beyond normal humans. And so I remember I was at this thing, this event, this charity thing, and I was talking to somebody about it. And like, you can have this great connection with somebody and you're like, okay, okay, I'm gonna talk about conscious agent theory with them because they seem cool, right? You know, it's like, this is the kind of person I can tell them about my drug problem, right? You know, so, so I start telling the story and I go through the thing and you could see them working it out, trying to understand it, and then absolutely hitting a point where they're not only shut down, they're angry. They're like, mm. how could you believe this nonsense? Like, you know, this is this goes in the face of everything we know to be true. Like, you, there's something wrong with you. And I've seen it happen again and again and again. Like, people oh, just yeah. go, you're giving me a headache. Or, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not smart enough to understand this. And that's a way of saying, no, I'm resistant to this, right? Well, like, you know it, what's funny? It, when you told it to me, I, I was like, yeah, of, co of course. That sounds yeah, right. That you sounds knew it right, right away. You were like, yeah, that's it. 
but it, <laughs> that the first but, time I heard it, I was like, yeah, that's because, right. It's because I've done hardcore psychedelic drugs. Like, I think if you haven't done hardcore psychedelic drugs, I don't know if you can come to the same conclusion so easily. You know what's funny is like this, and so people will say, well, this is exactly right, man. You're just high, man. You just do too many drugs, man. It's like, uh, bitch, I am a fucking UCSF Stanford fucking, I was a professor. I am one of the most more rational people you'll meet. I don't care what drugs I did in college. I'm telling you this shit is true, and it's not because I was fucking high. You know, so it's crazy. That that shit pisses me off, too, because it's like, hey, listen, man. I'm one of the sane, rational people who carries the world on my back. You're welcome, by the way. Uh, Yeah, exactly. If I'm telling you this, you should listen to me. Do you know what a skeptical asshole I am? Yeah. I'm the most skeptical. Do you know how many ideas I discarded before I brought you this one? Thousands. Hello. Millions. Hello. Right. How angry do you get, man? I just, I'm just like fucking goddamn, you know. But then you realize the anger is your own internal resistance. It's an interesting thing, but 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 I've never experienced this kind of resistance. And and you could see what's funny is there were some people who were resistant in Hoffman's talk, and you could see them crack as he brought them on this journey because he does it in a way that I can't do. He he because he's been living this right. Like this is his passion, and uh, it was beautiful to well, see. And, it was transcendent. Okay. Yeah. So so think about this. So so we're both in agreement that like something big is happening. There's some sort of a sea change happening in all sorts of uh, disciplines and sciences and environments and, you know, in culture everywhere, right? (laughs) Now, here's where it gets really interesting. If we were living in a simulation or if reincarnation is real or like, let's just say any anything uh, like like the basic framework is you get to pick a time when you come to. Don't you think you'd want to pick this time? Don't you think you'd want to incarnate here in the here and now? Like, this is the most exciting time in history. And now, of course, whatever comes next will be even more exciting. But, like, this is the moment it seems to all be changing. The, 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 the now is the only place to be, man. And, right. and I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist about the future. I'm not one of these fucked up, you know, futurist pessimists, like, climate change is going to kill us and all this. No, we'll figure it out. We're, we're, we're on this unfolding path. And, and it, it is, it, I almost feel like I'm a little too early. <laughs> like I wish I was born now. I wish I was born now. Like that would be amazing. Cause, uh, but but it's been it's been a tremendous uh, ride, and and the experience of seeing this sort of new. I'll tell you why we know we're at a sea change because things are failing. Yes, exactly. we're we're running up against the failures of the old paradigm in well, a way that's. Yeah, I have this conversation with, about Bitcoin with people all the time. Like people are like, you know, I talk to upper middle class finance guys all the time, and they're like. Bitcoin's not going to work. <laughs> people are just going to want digital lines of code. And it's like, hey, uh, you know what people actually want? They want to be able to store their time and their energy and their life in a productive store of value and be able to plan for the future and for their children. And right now they can't do that. And they're being lied to and they're being stolen from. And you guys are the ones doing it. Right? So it's mm. like, why do you think that Bitcoin is some crazy idea? What perpetuating the current system so that the rest of you can get rich off of asset inflation, that's the crazy idea. And I'm not down with it. And a lot of the young guys that are smart like me are not down with it. And we're gonna change it. So that's how it goes. And if you don't want to be a part <laughs> of if you don't want to be a part of the ride, then you're gonna lose a shitload of money. So that's fucking that's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so let me give you my version of that from my from what I'm doing. Uh, okay, you're a materialist. You think everything's made of made of atoms, or you're a literal religious person, and you think God just made everything, and we can't understand it. Okay, both of you guys are fucking wrong. Both of you yep. are 
belief-based. Both of you are like, you're, you, the materialist says, give me atoms and, I'll, and and grant me that a miracle occurs, that consciousness emerges. Well, okay, first of all, atoms are the thing we've never found. We've never, you can look all you want, you will not find matter. You'll just find more and more and deeper and deeper in clouds of probabilities and uncertainty. It doesn't exist in any way that we can experience. So why are we denying our fundamental experience and saying that's not fundamental, right? It, it's, you know, it's crazy. Dude, yeah. okay, here's my olive branch to woke culture. Like in a world that's this fucked up with this many problems, where things are falling apart at the seams, trying to keep it all going with the Coke and a smile is, it's deplorable. So I understand that the woke people are actually trying to overthrow the system too. <laughs> but like Kanye said recently in an interview, yes, I'm quoting Kanye. He said, you, yes. all think, you all think you're so woke, but you can't go outside the bounds of what wokeness is, which is like, yeah, you're the establishment. You just don't realize it. You don't realize it. Yeah. 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 Ah, fight the motherfucking power. Ah, and that so, this is so exciting. This is why this is why I want the healthcare system to fucking burn. I want yes. it to burn and be remade well, because we're doing we, it wrong. Yeah, we can't sit in those meetings anymore with the fucking administrators. That are, you know, it's like and and yeah, and, and next quarter we're thinking about adding a fucking burnout center to the doctor's lounge. You just want to scream in their face and be like, "Fuck you, bitch." <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. Fuck you, you corporate piece of shit. You don't you don't have any idea what reality is. Yeah, what, and you're, what actually you're, makes humans tick. You're yeah. grinding the nation's healers into a fucking fine powder for what? Your yeah, second your second what? summer home? Fuck you. You know? <laughs> Fuck you and your hoe. Yeah. I'm well I'm that's like I, uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I just get ex I just get excited. Z. Me too. Me too. It gets me so it gets me so fired up, man. It's the only thing that gets me fired up now. And and that's the other that's the other problem. It's like you remember in Inception when like um there was a scene where all those people are asleep and that guy's keeping them asleep and he says they're in like Morocco or some shit or mm -hmm. Timbuktu and he's like this is the only way they can dream now. Like this the dream is their reality, right? And and it's all these people asleep because they've just really this is all they have for me it's like you know i don't care about staffing ratios i don't care about you know uh optimizing hospital flow structures or patient flow that that, that that's an epiphenomenon right? right what i care about is the fundamental incentive and driver of how we keep people healthy and we don't do that right so everything else is meaningless yeah until so they until, until yeah. they fix the incentives it's all fucked you know, you it's can't all have meaningless. Yeah, you can't have bad incentives. And everything that that happens over top of that will just be lip service. That's all it will right. ever ever be because people will tell you one thing and do another because their incentives nobody is better than their incentives. Nobody. I'm not better than nobody, it. Yeah. You're not better than it. Nobody's better than their incentive. You yep. know? Yep. Yep. Fi yep. Yep. Fix the fucking incentives. Like yep. it, it's not that it's really not that hard to fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I think we're doing, I think we do medicine wrong too. I think we do a lot of stuff to people that we shouldn't be doing. And, and, uh, and there's a better way to science that, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and but yeah, you know, we'll get there. But anyways, I dude, we did, we did an hour and 33 minutes here, Tom Heineber, practically. Listen, only the real know. Everybody who's still here. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. If you've lasted, okay, guys, if you've lasted this long, here's the secret mission all right we're gonna overthrow the system here's the password <laughs> it's dingleberry <laughs> i i think i think the thing is just having more conversations like this and honestly like 
if you're a smart person who likes these kinds of conversations, you got to get in your own room, uh, <laughs> your own environment with a bunch of other people that are just as crazy as you, because you know what? It feels so fucking good when the door is closed. You can just be like, are we all just as crazy as we think we are? Are we trying to overthrow the Federal Reserve? Let's do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I live. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah. So my point to you guys is find that room of motherfuckers that, 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 they're passionate like you are. They're on the leading edge of something. doesn't matter what. If, maybe it's fucking sewing. Maybe you have a fucking revolution in sewing that's coming. And, all, and you know it's right. You know it's going to transform how you make that fucking sweater. Like, you get your, you go online. You find that crew of people that's making those sweaters in that crazy no, way no. that people think they're crazy. <laughs> okay, now let, let, let's put a disclaimer on this. No, none of us are telling you to join a mid-level marketing scheme. Okay? Like, don't do that. Okay? Okay. <laughs> If or somebody, a cult. If or somebody's a cult. like, hey, you have to buy into this, like, don't buy in. Like, you don't want to sell leggings, okay? You don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but knit that goddamn sweater, okay? Right, exactly. Knit the fuck there, out of that sweater. If there's, like, one charismatic <laughs> dude running this group, and he's got, like, a long ponytail, and he always seems to have, like, a bunch of women around him, that's a harem, and you're going to become part yeah. of it, okay? Yeah, and if you, you want that, run. I'm down. I'm, yeah, yeah, or don't, you know? All right, you gotta be, fam. Gotta be this, careful of dudes with ponytails, bro. For real, like you know what you you said it. There was this guy we used to call him Stone Soup in college. He had a ponytail. He ended up, you know, he ended up being a mass shooter. I don't know. I made that up, but it feels right. <laughs> All right, Z Pack, uh, Tom Heineber, thank you for the conversation. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to title this. What what should we call it? Like spirituality, stupidity, the maybe 1%. like maybe just overcoming resistance. Sounds good. Yeah, that's not bad. That's you not know? bad. Fight the fight the power. Fight uh, the power. Okay, we're we're done. We're out. We're done. We're out. All right. Bye. <laughs> hey, it's Doctor Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.